0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this Sunday, today, is the first Sunday of the new liturgical year. It's the first Sunday of Advent, which is the first season in the uh, liturgical calendar. So today would be something like the church's new year. We're beginning another cycle now of the church's uh, yearly liturgy. And the liturgy goes kind of step by step, following Jesus through His ministry and then following the body of Christ through the Church's ministry. So that the Church meditates year after year on the ministry of Christ and the continuation of that ministry in the ministry of the Church with the Apostles and then finally ending with the crowning of the Church, which we just finished. And interestingly enough, the very first reading that the Church gives us for the Gospel Every new uh, liturgical year is not the Annunciation of the birth of Christ to the Virgin Mary. That comes next week. That comes on the second Sunday of Advent. The first Sunday of Advent is this one that we just read. The Annunciation of the birth of John the Baptist by St. Gabriel to Zechariah, John the Baptist's father. Why is that? Why, how is it that you know we're beginning a new liturgical year wherein we follow Christ? And the first reading that we have is really about the birth of John the Baptist. Because the Gospel presents to us John the Baptist as somebody who is intrinsically related to Jesus. The ministry of John the Baptist and the ministry of Jesus are interrelated. One you can't have one without the other. John the Baptist's ministry is a preparation for the ministry of Christ from which we understand the ministry of Christ without which we really don't understand it all that well. So it is interesting. That the, let's say, the ministry of John the uh, the Baptist begins at this annunciation of Gabriel to his father, Zechariah, and it begins in such a kind of an awkward way. Gabriel goes to Zechariah's father, while his father is a priest in the temple offering incense, as they did daily in the temple. And Zechariah essentially doesn't believe him. He asks for proof. And as we read in the story, Because he asks for proof, he wants kind of a materialist uh, evidence that what God is saying, what the angel is saying is going to come to pass. Because he asks for that, he is punished for it by being silenced. I think what the Gospel is doing is contrasting John the Baptist with his father in this sense. Because John the Baptist will come around and he's going to be extraordinarily faithful. He's going to be the last of the Old Testament prophets and the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets preparing the way of Christ. But Zechariah here kind of kind of stumbles in the faith. So what happens? We read in the Gospel, the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah while he's uh, ministering in the temple at the uh, altar of incense. And he sees the angel on the right side of the altar of incense and the angel speaks with him and tells him, "Zechariah, all of your prayers are going to be answered now. You're going to have a son. He couldn't have a son because his wife was barren. Zechariah's response is one of doubt. And I think that we can read through the lines here. We can kind of read his voice behind the text. And see that Zechariah having had prayed for so long for a son and kind of being denied by God for these many years and Getting to the point where at least on a biological level, it would be impossible that he would have a son reading behind the text reading the voice of uh, uh, Hearing the voice of Zechariah behind the text. I think we can hear some jadedness We can see that Zechariah Though he's being visited by an angel, and I think he's aware that he's being visited by an angel because it says that fear fell upon him. He's being visited by an angel and told that all of his prayers are going to come true. God is going to grant him what he's been wanting. I think Zechariah, what you can hear, is that he's kind of over it all. He's so jaded, he's so bitter, that God hasn't granted him what he wants up until now that he's just kind of not interested any longer or if not interested, at least doubtful and suspicious that this thing is actually true. And he's punished for it. Can he be blamed for it? I mean, they are old. God has not granted them the prayers that he's been asking for this whole time. Can he be blamed for being jaded? Can he be blamed for being bitter? I'm not the judge of that. I suppose the angel Gabriel is, and the angel Gabriel says, yes, he he is to be judged. Zechariah is punished for it by being silenced. Why? Being a Jew in the time of Christ, any level of uh, a Jewish person in the, in the time of Christ would have known all of the scriptures like the back of their hand, whether they were literate or illiterate. The Jewish scriptures, the stories of the Old Testament, the heroes of the Old Testament were the heroes of the culture of the Jewish people. Just like you and I, I mean we have a lot in our culture now, so not everybody has this kind of uniform culture. But let's say a baseball culture, subculture. People that are into baseball know the players, they know their stats, they know the schools they went to, they know everything about them because this is what they're into. This is their their kind of pastime. Well, that is what is true about Jews in the time of Christ. Their culture was the Jewish culture. Their heroes, their stories, their narratives that they understood from when they were young, the stories that were told to them were the stories of the Old Testament. These are the people that they knew. They knew them inside and out. So Zechariah, especially because he's a priest, he would have been studied in these things. Zechariah especially would have had to have known about all the Old Testament figures that came before him, most notably among them, Abraham, who was old when God came to him and said, your wife Sarah, is, who is also old, is going to bear a son, and from this son, you're going to have a dynasty, and you're going to have a kingdom and all these things. My promise to you is going to be carried out through your son. And Sarah laughed at God when, when she heard this because she was old and yet they bore a son and from that son came another son and from there came the whole nation of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. Zechariah would have had this in his mind. He would have known that God accomplished this thing already before in Abraham. uh, uh, Zechariah would have understood that Samuel's mother Hannah was barren and she prayed And God granted her a son, the great prophet Samuel, one of the great judges of the Old Testament. All these stories would have been in Zechariah's mind. How is it then that he kind of ignores these things and still remains in his doubts and asks for proof from the angel? That's why he's blamed for it. But that's something that you and I have to be uh, aware of as well. How many times do we pray to God for the same thing over and over and over again? And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Actually, Jesus in some parts of the Gospel indicates that it's a good thing. How many times do we pray for the same thing, hope for the same thing for so long, and God is seemingly ignoring us? But is He ignoring us? Because what it looks like from this Gospel reading is that God heard all of Zechariah's prayers, but He just waited for the most opportune time to grant them. Why is it the most opportune time? Because John the Baptist's ministry is inherently and directly related to the ministry of Christ. You can't have one without the other. So basing the granting of Zachariah's prayers to him about a son around the birth of Christ, God waited until the best time to give him what he wanted. And he did give him what he wanted. Let us be aware then that God wants to give us what our heart desires, but infinitely more than what our heart desires, only he's going to do it on his own timing, based on his own plan providentially. Brothers and sisters, I think the moral of this story in the first Sunday of Advent is that God will not disappoint us. And if we reach this point in our spiritual lives where we are disappointed by God, then we have to change our tune a little bit. And realize that God is doing something in us beyond our understanding. And when it comes to fruition, it's going to be way better than what we wanted. Amen.